be a club. Let's just let's just be honest. It would be a good variety club. It would meet twice a week. We go about our business, but we want to be the church. Then we be the church. Um, so again, we thank God for the last eight weeks we've been in the I Will series. Um, if it be His will, we're going to look at now the Book of Romans, and we're going to walk through the Book of Romans as a church. Um, and we're going to take about eight, nine weeks and, and, and try to break this thing down. Um, we talk about the Book of Romans. Uh, many consider it the greatest book of the Bible. Uh, it's not an easy study, um, but uh, we're going to trust right now the Spirit is going to move through this thing. Uh, when we talk about from a historical standpoint, uh, the Book of Romans uh, is one of those books that a lot of famous theologians out there, this is the book that kind of converted them change their life. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, John Wesley, I believe, they were. So uh, we get an opportunity uh, to, to kind of dive into the, 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 the Holy Scriptures, the Scriptures that really touch the hearts and lives um, of so many uh, in Christendom. Uh, we will be trying to attempt to, to, to preach a part of this on a Sunday before. So, like I said, uh, come, come back Three, four months from now, I'm expecting some of y'all to be able to teach this thing. All right. <laughs> All right. We got some folks that, that, need to, that need to know this thing. So let's go ahead now, and uh, we're going to do the introduction today. We're going to deal with uh, the first chapter of Romans. We're going to look at verses 1 uh, through 17. That's considered the introduction of, of Romans. And then we're also going to tackle some of the background, a little bit of it that we dealt with, dealt with on Sunday as far as uh, Rome and all that. Let's open up in prayer, and then, and then we'll dive right into this. God, again, we, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for the, the chance and the privilege to study uh, this sacred word. We thank you, Father God, that Paul uh, penned this letter, Father God. And now we have an opportunity, Father God, to, to study it. We're trusting even now that it's going to help our, help our lives, Father God, our spiritual lives, Father God. It's going to make the better study our end. It's going to enrich our personal study, Father God. It's going to enrich our, our, our personal prayer lives, Father God. It's going to also strengthen us as a church. So, Father God, uh, we pray now that we not be intimidated by the heaviness of Romans, Father God. Uh, we're praying right now that we study this, study this together, Father God, that if there's any question marks that you, your spirit will help us uh, to maneuver through this, Father God. And we're praying Trusting that your spirit's going to help us throughout these next eight nine weeks. So we're praying to the church again that we'll get excited about some things. We thank you in advance, Father God, that God will use this for the church. So we son and we ask all these things. Amen. We look at uh, the study on the letter. Uh, when we talk about letters, sometimes you hear epistle, right? I want to make sure we understand that. Epistle is just a fancy, fancy word for that. Uh, what you get right now, um, you talk about Paul's writings, uh, you get an opportunity to see his, his letters. It, it would almost be like our emails to that. Um, some, they try to differentiate, if you will, between, uh, the difference between letters and epistles. Um, in my studies, I, I, you can do it, but I, I don't know if that's worth it. As far as I'm concerned, a letter and a pistol are the same thing. Okay? Um, and again, when we're talking about Paul and his letters, uh, these are going to be letters that he literally uh, sent down and wrote to churches and to some individuals. 
Uh, and so when you see the ones and the twos and all that, verse three, verse four, and all that, we understand that was those divisions are are by way of land, right? Don't let that don't let that throw you off. Um, so when we look at the study of the letter to the Romans, um, there's going to be a couple uh, literature uh, that we'll pull from. Where's your personal Bible? So I'm praying. I know we've got devices and all that, and all that's good. I don't have a problem with that. I'm starting to use my tablet. I like it a little bit. Um, but at least on Wednesday, if we can, let's, let's, I want to hear some pages turn. It's, it's good to every once in a while turn the pages. So, so we're uh, praying that you can come with your personal Bible. And then I will also be pulling from uh, one uh, be right, how to be right with God, yourself, and others. And this is going to be his commentary on, on the letter uh, to the Romans. Okay? Uh, the class goal understand the background and the setting surrounding Paul's letter to the Christians at Rome, develop an appreciation for the liter literary content, doctrinal stances, and the systematic approach presented by Paul. Be able to articulate the overarching theme of the letter. That may seem heavy right now. That may seem heavy right now, but when we dive through this, when we dive through this, I'm going to feel confident that all of us will be able to do this with some capacity. Amen? Amen. Uh, you see the schedule right there? And uh, again, I pulled the outline. I pulled this outline again from uh, from uh, Warren Wiersbe's uh, text, and I'm going to show you what that looks like. That's him, and he has a Be Right uh, series. This is just on the book of Book of Romans. But uh, you see the schedule right here, and it, again, it goes through the entire uh, Book of Romans. You kind of see how that's broken up. And so, what I would invite you to do, if you can, to uh, try your best to read or listen. Uh, to the passage that we'll be studying that following week. That way you at least have an idea that we may not have an opportunity to read all the verses. Uh, how many of you are listening app? A Bible listening app? Anybody in the community? I would if, if, if um, um, and I know sometimes streaming can be intimidating for some of us. They've got CDs out there, tapes, all that. But uh, I would invite you uh, to, to maybe start looking into some listening apps. Nothing wrong with reading, reading is fantastic. Um, but, uh, but I'm at the point now where I listen going down the road sometimes, just the scripture, and I hope you do a better job than I ever did. Um, there's something about reading, there's also something about hearing. Mm -hmm. Okay? So again, you see that schedule right there for the next uh, few weeks, and, and prayerfully, I uh, won't get through that. Uh, well, we will get through that and, uh, and be better for it. All right, so we're going to start with the introduction, and again, um, we understand that um, when we start breaking these up, we know that this is man-made, if you will, because Paul obviously was not put those numbers by it, but uh, uh, theologians and men, when they study this, they consider one through seventeen the introduction. All right, so that's what we're that's what we're coming up with, uh, with this being an introduction. Um, just kind of some uh, background. The letter was written toward the end of his third missionary journey. Just to make sure that we're, we're about to, how many missionary journeys did Paul go on? Enough? Three. three, right? Okay. All right. So this is going to be the end of that third missionary journey. 
He writes this from what city? Corinth. Yeah. yeah. This is where he writes it from. Um, and he sends this letter again to those Christians in Rome. I've provided the reference um, where we get the evidence that this will come uh, while he was in Corinth. And Phoebe, who's considered a what? A deaconess, right? Yeah, a deaconess. And you've got that scripture right there. Uh, look, don't, don't stop me after church. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Alright? Um, you see ref reference to uh, Phoebe uh, and that uh, report there Acts 16 and 1. Right? She's going to be the one that is actually commissioned to take the letter to Rome. Uh, does anybody have uh, Romans 16 and 1? Somebody just read that real quick. I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria. Yeah. Okay. And then you got the other right there, and again, all these uh, individuals are in. Corinth area. So that's why uh, we look at this and say, okay, Paul was, put all of it together. Paul was in Corinth when he penned this letter. Had Paul visited Rome yet? No. Paul hadn't even visited Rome yet. So, so keep that in mind. Uh, when we talk about Rome, Rome was the capital and the most important city of the empire. And all of us studied Rome at some point, right? In fact, we got a lot of movies that, that uh, glorify Rome and the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. It was so vast, uh, so mighty, uh, in the quote unquote known world, it was the most powerful empire of the time that, that Jesus would have walked on the earth. All right? mm -hmm. So we see just how imposing, if you will, uh, such a task that Paul had to carry. Right? So he actually head for Rome and preach the gospel. Start talking about some of uh, put it in perspective. You, know? uh, you, you look at you look at some of us and, and tell us that you better go to Los Angeles and make a difference. Mm -hmm. I was going to thank she didn't want to travel to Paris and <laughs> Indiana or something. You know, you talk about you want to New York City. But it did the same thing with Paul. Paul John That population had over a million many of them were slaves. So some of the stuff we we'll talk about the introduction in uh, chapter 1, um, there's a reason that Paul uses some of the language that he uses when he talks about slave and he talks about bond slave. Again, what uh, Paul is having to do, uh, we understand that it's a letter, um, but we also understand that it's a systematic approach to it. And so one thing that he's doing with the introduction with a group that probably most of them he had never met and they have never met him, is he's introducing himself. Keep that, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Alright, so you're going to see some stuff that he does intentionally. Um, so the epistle itself, uh, the original audience was those in the church at Rome, both Gentiles, and it's mostly Gentiles, but some Jews as well. Um, Paul, we understand, would have been the apostle uh, for the most part to the who? To the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. The Gentiles are what? Non-Jews. Uh, Paul writes to prepare the way for his visit and trip to Spain. Paul writes to a church that is doctrinally sound, but in need of rich doctrine and practical instruction. Keep in mind, apostle has not has never been to Rome. And the reason that we know that is because part of Paul's philosophy is that he doesn't deal where another man has already built. 
So we know that no one has gone, has gone to, um, to, uh, to Rome yet, as far as the partnership. All right? All right, so keep, keep that in mind. Uh, and when you look at it, a lot of Paul's uh, letters is to what? Is to, uh, like you deal with Corinth. It's to deal with some real issues in the church. And really, when you look at it, the, the, the Roman church, for the most part, is not really saying. Um, so the, the letter contains many references to the Old Testament. And uh, this is key. The overarching theme of the letter is the righteousness that comes from God. You're going to hear that so much that you're going to be tired of these eight weeks. Don't be tired of it. That's why we where we're at. Because the righteousness of God is ultimately imputed to us. Not your righteousness. The righteousness of God. Can anybody give me a, a, a definition of the righteousness real quick? We've got it towards the end. So, we're talking about the righteousness. We're talking about what? God's perfect standard. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of we'll kind of dive we'll dive into that. Um, Vernon McGee argues that Paul founded the church at Rome to be a long distance, and he kind of uses that. His theory is that uh, throughout Paul's uh, travels and stuff, uh, there were so many that he dealt with, and, and many of those who have gone back to Rome and started those those church homes there. Yeah, I, I don't I'm arguing with that. Uh, yeah, there's at least one theologian out there who gives him credit uh, if you will. Start the church. No, but he is uh, Yeah, he's a theologian. He's um, probably lived like twenty-five years. He would have been uh, in the fifties. You've heard those through the Bible series. You ever heard of those? That's him. They still play. In fact, they play it on nine nine point one. He goes through the entire Bible. Uh, so again, no apostle has visited Rome. So let's let's kind of dive uh, let's kind of dive into this real quick. Um, let's 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 open this up. Well, first, you got it right there in front of you, Romans one. And I'm gonna read a little bit of that to, to kind of give us um, some reference if you will. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power and according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Verse 5. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience. To the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you are also called of Jesus Christ. And this is going to be the new, the new King James Version. Uh, we'll see that Paul uh, in Latin means little. Um, but look at that key, that key part right there in the, in the beginning. And I think I touched a little bit on it Sunday. Um, uh, your Bibles may say servant. Uh, the new King James Version says bond servant. And, and all that's good. But when you really start filling it back in the Greek, it means what? So Paul has put it all out. Yes, ma'am. Can you define apostle? Yes. An apostle is going to be one that was set apart and commissioned. When we talk about apostles, you're talking about the twelve. Yeah, you're talking about the twelve. Um, 
Yeah, you talking about the twelve that Jesus set apart and they walked with him for what three years? That's those are going to be the apostles. And that's the reason we say that there's no more apostles. Exactly. Yeah, the form of apostleship is uh, one of them is you have to uh, see the risen, the risen Savior. Uh, you have to be commissioned by Him directly. Um, and so, I, well, I'm going to say something. I've never studied the folks that call themselves apostles now, so I, I I can't speak on it. I'm not after anybody. Don't send me a text. But um, um, with the criteria that's been set out, I, I don't know how anybody calls themselves an apostle. And when you do talk about apostleship, um, and, and Paul, we know that he's one out of the season, right? And, and that's an interesting study when you talk about Paul. Now, Paul saw Jesus where? The Bible says, where did Paul see Jesus? In the Damascus Road. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then even when you talk about um, who was the one that they selected when Judas, um, when Judas died? That's right. Matthew. Yeah. 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 Uh, I believe it's Matthew. We'll what you say. Yeah. Um, but um Matthias, Atticus, yeah. I, I have to listen to that. But um one of the things is that um, I've always been taught that Paul was really the replacement. And that was the one that they they selected. Why? You don't hear about him again, do so anyway, that's, that's what I'll be talking about. But yes, when we talk about apostles, um, there's going to be some set criteria. Um, and, um, nobody that I know or you should know. Um, <laughs> so when we talk about, again, this, this uh, uh, doulos in the Greek, or this slave, um, it's not just a slave, but it's a willingness to commit yourself to the master. So Paul, and again, keep in mind, Paul is introducing himself to these people. And I always say it that when you talk about scripture, you can't, it's not in a vacuum. Right? You have to, that's why it's so important to understand the background and understand where you're at. Rome would have had a lot of slaves. And so they would have been entrenched in that. So when they see that slave, that triggers something to eat. Why we just study the word. So again, another requirement. Paul presents himself an apostle, one who is sent by authority when they commission. Somebody uh, open up 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 2. 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 2. Uh, while you're looking at that, we are talking about that Paul saw Christ on the Damascus Road. Uh, that's in Acts 9, right? If you're familiar with that, apostleship refers to the 12 that Christ chose. Paul received a divine revelation from God to shame. First um, Corinthians 9, 1 and 2. This man, this man, go ahead. <laughs> Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not we my robes in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. But the shield of my apostleship are you in the Lord. So again, Paul's outline in the end on um, why he is worthy to be called an apostle. Mm -hmm. Paul's constantly being defended 
of himself. He doesn't have a little man's complex, but he understands that he's dealing with folks, he's dealing with Gentiles that, that are in some wealth situations. So he's saying, and we're going to kind of walk through this, he's saying why you should listen to him. And see, part of many of our problems is we don't have the credentials for folks to listen to. And I ain't talking about school, I'm not talking about PhDs. But we've not earned that for folks to, to, to sit down and listen to. And then we get upset by them like this. So Paul presents himself again an apostle. I refer to the 12 that, that he chose. Um, look at that. We're going to kind of break it down. Uh, Paul, oh, Paul received training from God. That's a good, that's a good one. Galatians. Let me pull that, pull that real quick. That's a, I don't want to fly past that. I was studying that thing last night, and that was that was a good one right there. Galatians 1, 12 and 16. Let me read that. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. But I make known to you, brother, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Again, Paul just getting out of his letter. He's constantly laying out why he was set apart and why you should listen, listen to him. Um, Let's look at this real quick. Let's we kind of go through this. The gospel. Paul was a preacher of the gospel. All right, we see that. Paul was a Jewish rabbi. He studied law as a Pharisee to the laws and the traditions of Jews. Again, it's powerful when you know the background. We know Paul. Look, Paul didn't come out of a uh, uh, Tarsus Christian Christian church, did he? He was harsh. He persecuted. And when we talk about persecution. He had letters that did what? Put folks in jail. Split families. Let's, let's be real about it. Look, when Stephen was martyred, who was there? Paul. Paul did what? Held the coats. He held the coats. He was in charge of the coats. He, he said, well, like it. But I want to make sure you get a good shot while you're holding the stone. Mm -hmm. Take off the robe. I'll hold you for it. Paul doesn't come, he doesn't come without with the perfect picture. That should be encouraging for us. So we, we know Paul's background. And Paul was a Paul was a PhD of PhD. He sat at the feet of the government. And then when you talk, when you hear that, that means that Paul was with all your education, you still didn't have what Paul had. I still don't have what Paul had. He had about three full PhDs. And didn't know Jesus. Damascus Road, that's a good, that's a good study right there. Mm -hmm. the yeah, yeah, Paul comes out and says, I'm the Jew of Jews. Yeah, he said, I got this thing down better than any of you all. He said, You think you a good Pharisee? I'm the best Pharisee out there. He said, I'm not going to put your ass. Look, God doesn't do stuff just to do it. He picked the right man for the job. What a, what a great witness to somebody. Oh. 
So you don't get sainthood, and I'm not after anybody, but you don't get sainthood after you die and some folks praying in and, and then you get a name. You're all saints if you know the Lord. We're considered saints now. We're considered set apart. Alright? And so that's what Paul is doing. He's reminding you that look, you're not just anybody. You're called to this. Not just the preacher. That's the problem with a lot of our churches is we, we're just thinking that the preachers are called. Now, we all are called. We're all set apart. And if we're not, we got a problem. So believers are called by Jesus Christ to be saints are set apart. Right? As it said, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Alright? It's not just the preachers in the kingdom. No, we're talking to everybody that knows the Lord in Rome. Grace to you and peace from the Lord our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We trust Christ, we are saved by His grace, and we experience His peace. Now let's, let's look at this. Um, when you start uh, doubting at, at chapter 8, and again, Paul is intentional. Whenever you think about the book of Romans, keep in mind that it's a systematic book. He ain't just pin this letter sitting down for five minutes. And we understand the Holy Spirit moved through that. We do understand that. We also understand the Holy Spirit used Paul, right? And there's a system to this. What Paul is getting ready to do now in this letter, in this introduction, is to remind those in Rome that he cares for them. Yeah, that's it for a lot of us. We're upset, we're mad, um, folks won't come, and my family members won't come, and all this. We, we forgot to be kind. But one thing we're doing is we're saying one thing, but we're acting another way. Yeah. So Paul expresses a concern for the Christian at Rome. Look at that. Paul was thankful for their witness throughout the Roman Empire. First, I thank my God for Jesus Christ. For all that your faith is focused throughout the whole world. When we talk about the whole world, we're talking about the known world, right? For, for us, it's a different connotation, but we understand right there it's in the known world, the Mediterranean, right? But think about that. What a mighty witness that throughout the empire, the Roman Christians are known for their faithfulness. I'm saying I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, Paul prayed for them. Paul loved them. Paul was in debt to them. Look at, look at all that. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son. Without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if by some means now I last, at last may find a way the will of God to come to me. We talked a little bit about that Sunday. But he yearned. He yearned to come to him. He was eager to come to him. Alright? Make a request if by some means down at last I may find a way the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. Again, we talked about um, that reason. We, we dealt with that a little bit Sunday. But then you won't just come just party. God put something on my heart that I believe is going to, going to help you all out. All right, see, some of us, we're not in the will of God. We don't have any, but we, we're praying God enlarge my territory, and you don't want that. But some of us have gotten our territory enlarged and it's on us. 
all it is is a disposal. But God's too faithful. He's too faithful to his people to allow folks just to continue to mess over them. Paul was blessed with all that he dealt with, those crashes and stonings and all that. God preserved him. Because he, he, he knew he could use them. A lot of us, I didn't hear what you said, but it sounded like <laughs> it sounded like we may need to go back to the prayer room. <laughs> and so we see Paul in 11 and 12 that he loved them. Imagine that, this, this, this loving folks. But you don't even start to love Paul was in debt to them, 13 and 14. Now that I don't want you to be unaware, brother, that I often plan to come to you, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as long as the others, among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians. Both to the wise and the unwise. He's not talking about debtor as far as money. Yeah, he doesn't owe him any money. But what he's saying, he's saying God has put something on me. He's given me this ministry. And I can't stop until the ministry is as soon as God can But how many of us really have a passion for our ministry? That, that look, I say it all the time. And I hope you I hope you don't understand what I'm saying. But I say privilege. A privilege to pray. A privilege to a privilege to teach. It's a privilege to have the opportunity to minister. And until we get back to that, see, Paul is saying it's a privilege that I get to one day come to Rome and tell you all about the gospel, build you up. And Paul is eager about that. And most of us, we ain't eager about anything except when it's helping others. Uh, this Greek thing, let's, let's make sure that we understand this. Um, the Greek thing is going to be any person who have adopted the Greek culture. Okay? That's, that's going to be this, the Greek. Uh, they consider themselves wise and sophisticated. Alright? Um, they have a deep interest in Greek, in Greek philosophy. When we talk about the barbarians, again, it's going to be a term that was coined, obviously, by Greek. Coined by Greeks to identify those not trained in Greek culture. They consider barbarians. And Paul, he's going to kind of Walk through this through the book of Romans, but he's going to say there's, it's all said and done, and God works in the person. So again, setting this up. He's setting this up. Paul was eager and, and with a ready mind to visit Rome. Uh, again, we talked about Rome and the significance of Rome. Uh, when we talk about this Greek culture, again, let's just put it in perspective. I think I talked about this on Sunday. But you're talking about Rome, this, this, this young Jewish man is getting ready to go to the city of Rome and try to convince those in Rome that they need to either continue to walk in this Christian or they need to turn their life over. Jerusalem is in occupation of what? Rome! Imagine that! Look, you want me to, you want, you're going to try to convince us that, uh, that this Christ, that Jesus the Christ was a savior? Last time I heard about him, he was Going on the cross. So it's almost as the, the you got to, again, you can't read this thing in the back. You've got to hear it, try your best to hear it as, as they would have heard it. Little video, little video of Jerusalem is going to make a difference in this great Roman Empire. Daunting task to Paul 
Paul had before Why would Romans listen to Paul? When you look at that 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25, again, Paul is constantly, constantly showing how wide he can listen. Um, and I already said it, but the word of God is a stumbling block to some. All right? And others consider it foolish. The Greeks consider it foolish, right? That's why. They study the philosophy. So, now, so why would Romans listen to Paul? Let's, let's kind of end this, and then, uh, and then we'll, dive in, we'll dive into the uh, second part next week. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. We can preach that. We can preach that thing. A lot of us can uh, up uh, when we start talking about Christ. We start talking about the gospel. We're afraid about the folks who thank us. Paul said, no. He said, I've seen too much. I've been through too much. I cannot be ashamed of this God has worked through my life. I've gone through some blindness. I've gone through folks that stoned me. But one time they had to. Uh, uh, Literally in a basket, feet over the wall, and he still got some ways to go. We know he's going to end up coming along in what chains. Still has some persecution coming coming his way. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel for a number of reasons. In one sixteen a, you see that it's the origin of the gospel, Christ. That's why I'm not ashamed. It's not my word. I get confident. Um, they, they, uh, we're, we're to use the great example. I'll use an example of, uh, of my, uh, look, at, at work, sometimes it's fun for me. Because I get to use my manager's signature. <laughs> and it, it, it'd be different if I had to put some stuff down and tell folks to do this and that. But when I get to use her signature, <laughs> that's, that's, that's confidential right there. <laughs> yeah. Same thing with Paul. Paul said, I'm getting confidence out of this because it's not mine. Again, you're dealing with somebody that's a PhD, a PhD. And he's saying, no, it's not mine, it's Christ. And so now I get the confidence when I walk through this because it's the origin of it is Christ. All right? Then he also says, because of the operation of the gospel, so it's the origin of the gospel that I have confidence in, is the fact that the gospel has what? 16b, the power of God. Yeah, I'm confident because what I'm what I'm talking about has the power, the power behind it. And he says the outcome of the gospel I have confidence in. With the power of God unto what? Look at that. Sixteen C. Salvation. That's the confidence that I have in this. Look. That's why you can have a Peter a couple of days before not even, look, young ladies were scared when he was warming his hand. You know, young damsel. Say, aren't you one of aren't you one of And years later, tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down. That's what the gospel can do for you. It convicts you to the point that you become confident and can walk through this thing. Mm -hmm. So 
scripture. The outcome of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. When we talk about salvation, in that day it would meant deliverance, both a personal and a national sense of deliverance. And then finally, the outreach of the gospel. Read that 16b and 17. The outreach of the gospel to everyone that believes. I heard, uh, I heard a preacher one time say, look, this is, this, it's a tough time we're in now, but it should, it's fun to do ministry. You can almost take a shotgun and, and there's so much mess out here. Paul's saying, look, it's so much and I know the gospel can reach. I know it's reaching power. I saw where it reached me in the road one day. But Paul, Paul has confidence in this. And then look at the key verse, if you will. And, I, and I've said this before. Always when you're studying scripture, again, let, let's make sure we let's make sure we understand this and make for better study. Uh, if we're un, if we're if we're trying to understand a passage, you need to understand that passage um, in light of that little section right there. You need to understand that little section in light of that chapter. And then you need to understand that chapter in light of the book that you're reading or the letter that you're reading. And then you need to tie, tie that letter or the book that you're reading into the Old Testament the New Testament. And then you need to tie all that together. See, a lot of us do what we call um, um, eisegesis. And you just take that, you take that, that, that look, that's, sorry, let me give you one. Where you, where you see uh, Paul dealing with the, the snake bite. And then he shakes it off. Again, I'm not after anybody. But then if you, if you just take that passage by itself, you're going to walk out here and, and, and see a rattlesnake, you're going to do what? Yeah. Now, if you, if you take that passage, you're going you're gonna to let that rattlesnake get on it. But if you read that passage in light of everything else around it, you understand that when you see a rattlesnake, you better run. And say, see, what some churches and some denominations have done is they've read scripture. We do the same thing. We'll find a scripture uh, that fits well for us. Come as you are, and then I can just I can just come on anyway. Yes, you know. You gotta be careful doing that with scripture. Okay? Okay. So, and again, when you're talking about studying, where I was going with this, make sure you always find the key, and, and your Bible studies will help you with that. Find the find the key scripture of the book. Alright? There's always gonna be a key scripture. Of the book. When you talk about the book of Romans, Romans 117 is that key scripture. Alright? Somebody read that for me. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. And that, what is that, King? Is that King James? American Standard. American Standard? Okay. Now that, that reads well. Uh, let me read, this is the new King James. And that last part, I think, may be familiar to For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Yeah. 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 Now, it reads the same. But I think, uh, especially some of the old Baptists, you, you, you've heard that right there. The just shall live by faith. Yeah. Faith alone. And so we're going to kind of unfold that again. What Paul does is he's introducing himself and he's introducing these concepts. He's going to hit them and hit us with it in return, right? Um, so when we talk about this righteousness 
of God. It's better translated the righteousness from God. All right, and again, when I'm talking about righteousness, I'm talking about that standard. All right? Righteousness is the state or the condition of perfectly conforming to God's perfect law and the Holy and His Holy Spirit. All right? It's going to be a, a, a nickel version, a nickel definition of righteousness. Righteousness is used over 60 times in the letter. When you think about righteous, just, and justified. Some versions break that down and they say 30, um, and they kind of uh, section off just, just and justified. When we put all that together in this letter, we're going to see this about 60 times. All right? When we talk about righteousness, Deuteronomy 32 and 4 reminds us that God alone is inherently righteous. All right? You look at Matthew 5 and 48, man falls short of the divine standard of moral perfection. All right? And this is going to be really the crux of it. Christ meets the God standard on our behalf. Somebody open up 2 Corinthians 5 21 real quick. Some of these scriptures to start kind of being our, our centerpiece, and we'll start uh, memorizing some of these. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, and then we'll prepare to get out of here.
Um, so it is by grace that the righteousness is imputed to us. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't go as far as those to, yeah, to interchange them. Yeah. But it's going to ride on that, it's gonna ride on that, on that train. Yeah. On that road. Absolutely. Good question. When we talk about flip, we talk about Abraham. It was imputed unto him. Again, we were talking about we were talking about God. We were talking about a perfect God. You have to come to the point where you go. No, He sees us for what we are. We're we're in trouble. Okay, so that, that's what ended. That's, that's going to take us to the introduction, okay, uh, of the book, and that's kind of, kind of be how we walk through it. What, what I need you all to do, if you look at it for next week, we're going to look at Romans 1, 18 through 32. All right, and we're going to deal with this idea of sin. All right, so again, I want you to kind of be looking at that and saying, oh, okay, how does Paul how set this thing up? Because again, it's a system. It's a system, all right? Uh, Romans 1, 18 through 32. Thank you, Lord.